scripture reading this afternoon is Genesis chapter 50. The text for the sermon starts in verse 22, but we'll read from the beginning of the chapter. Genesis chapter 50. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who were embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. Now when the days of his mourning were past... Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying. In my grave which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan, there you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. Then they came up to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father, and when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore its name was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. So his sons did for him just as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who went up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, They said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. 
And here our text for this afternoon begins. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the sons of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So far from God's holy word. This sermon was written by Reverend Brian Voss, minister at Calvary United Reformed Church in Loveland, Colorado. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, dust to dust, that's the story of Genesis. From the creation of man out of the dust of the ground to the death of a man laid to rest in a coffin in Egypt. From Eden to Egypt, from paradise to pallbearers, from a garden to a grave, that's where the story of Genesis takes us. Dust to dust, that's the story of Genesis. Our text opens with the words of verse 22, so Joseph dwelt in Egypt. Over 50 years have passed since the death of Jacob, the last patriarch. Over 50 years since he was embalmed. Over 50 years since that time of great mourning. Over 50 years since the funeral procession up to the land of Canaan. Over 50 years since Jacob's burial in the cave of Machpelah. We know nothing about those 50 plus years. The events of those years are not recorded for us. While we are told that Joseph dwelt in Egypt, we learn nothing more of his reign in that land of prosperity. While we're told that Joseph dwelt in Egypt, we learn nothing more of his political achievements as he sat at the right hand of the king. While we're told that Joseph dwelt in Egypt, we learn nothing more of the life of Joseph. What we do learn, however, is that Joseph remained bound to his family. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. Joseph remained bound to his father's household. Joseph remained true to the promise he had made over 50 years ago. You remember the scene in verses 15 to 21 where the hearts of Joseph's brothers were troubled. Troubled because they were afraid that with their father gone, Joseph would at last treat them as their sins deserved. But Joseph spoke to their hearts and said, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. 
Now therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. To this promise, Joseph remained true. He remained bound to his father's household. He remained bound to his family. He provided for them. And we are told he lived 110 years. Thus Joseph lived the vast majority of his life in Egypt. He was sold by his brothers into slavery at the age of 17. He died in Egypt at the age of 110. This means that he spent 93 years of his life in the land of Egypt, making only one trip back to the promised land for the burial of his father Jacob. Truly, Joseph dwelt in Egypt. And there in Egypt, Joseph was blessed. He was blessed especially in the last 50 years since his father's death. We read in verse 23, Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. He saw his children's children. This was considered one of the greatest blessings in Israel. There in Egypt, Joseph saw his children's children to the third generation. Indeed, the Lord made Joseph forget the years of his toil. Indeed, the Lord causes Joseph to be fruitful in the land of affliction. Joseph was blessed in Egypt. Not only did he see his children's children, but we are told that his children's children were brought up on his knee. What a beautiful picture of Joseph's faith. Though he dwelt in the land of Egypt, and though he was blessed in the land of Egypt, and though all the riches of Egypt were his for the taking, and though he could enjoy all the pleasures of Egyptian culture, Joseph took his children's children upon his knees and brought them up. He trained them. He taught them. He passed the faith along to them. What did he teach them? He taught them, no doubt, that Egypt was not their home. He taught them, no doubt, that their home was in Canaan, the promised land. He taught them, no doubt, the promises made to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He passed the faith along from one generation to the next. Is this reading too much into the text? I don't believe so. After all, we see this faith of Joseph's in the verses that follow. And when we turn to the book of Exodus, which opens nearly 400 years later, there is still faith among the Israelites. Not only do the Israelites cry out in their bondage, but we find that Moses' parents were people of faith. How does Hebrews 11 put it? In verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Joseph passed the faith along to his children's children. Joseph passed the faith along from one generation to the next. We see Joseph's faith coming through as well as he lies upon his deathbed. Verse 24, And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land 
to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph knows that his life upon this earth is almost over. And what a life it has been for him. Appointed as the overseer of his brothers at the age of 17, sold by his brothers into slavery, brought down into Egypt, falsely accused in Egypt, imprisoned in Egypt, forgotten in Egypt, then raised to the right hand of the king in Egypt, the savior of Egypt, the savior of his brothers. What a life he has lived. And through it all, we heard not so much as a word of complaint or bitterness. Through it all, Joseph saw the providence of God. Through it all, Joseph saw that it was God who led him and that God was working in all things for good. With that confidence in God's faithfulness, Joseph directs his brothers to God's faithfulness for the future. Verse 24. God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Even as he faces death, Joseph is fully confident that God will remain faithful and that he will visit them. Even as he faces death, Joseph looks forward to the day when God will visit them. Even as he faces death, Joseph speaks of the Exodus, an event that will not occur for another 400 years. God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Though Joseph had prospered in the land of Egypt, though he had been blessed in the land of Egypt, his hopes were not found in Egypt. He knew that he was a foreigner in Egypt, a sojourner in Egypt, a pilgrim in Egypt. Egypt was not the home of his forefathers. It was not his home, and it was not to become the home of his descendants. His goal was not to transform Egyptian culture. His goal was not to turn Egypt into the people of God. His goal was not to usher in the kingdom of God in Egypt. His goal was another land. His goal was the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Think over the life of Joseph and the many displays of faith. What one event would you single out as the greatest act of faith? His patience in slavery and in prison? His kindness, mercy, and grace to his brothers? His words of assurance, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The author to the Hebrews singles out this scene upon his deathbed. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Joseph saw the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Joseph saw the departure from Egypt 400 years before it happened. Joseph saw the exodus from Egypt 400 years before it occurred. 
He knew the faithfulness of God. He knew the promises of God. He knew that Egypt was not their home. He knew that the promised land belonged to them. And so by faith, he spoke of the departure from Egypt. By faith, he spoke of the Exodus. By faith, he looked forward to the inheritance. He knew that even death itself could not stand in the way of the fulfillment of the promise. Joseph lived by faith. He wanted his family to have that same faith. And so we read in verse 25, Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Again, we find the emphasis upon God's coming to visit them. God will surely visit you. God will surely act on your behalf. God will surely bring you up from this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So certain was Joseph of the visitation of God and of the exodus from Egypt, he took an oath from the children of Israel, instructing them to take his bones out of the land of Egypt. Though he had lived the vast majority of his life in Egypt, he didn't want to be buried there. He wanted his bones brought up from Egypt. He wanted his bones laid to rest in the promised land of inheritance. And the children of Israel swore that they would carry out this oath. And so, with all things placed in order, Joseph died. Verse 26. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph was embalmed in Egypt, just like his father Jacob had been. But whereas for Jacob, the embalming preserved his body for the journey up to Canaan and his burial there, for Joseph, the embalming preserved his body for the Exodus 400 years later. For Joseph, there was no journey up to Canaan. For Joseph, there was no burial in Canaan. Nor was there for Joseph a pyramid in Egypt. Joseph was embalmed and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. And there the book of Genesis ends. It ends incomplete. It ends with the children of Israel in Egypt. It ends with the promise unfulfilled. It ends with the oath unfulfilled. It ends with a coffin in Egypt. And yet that coffin in Egypt was a testimony of faith. For 400 years that coffin stood there in Egypt as a testimony to the children of Israel. Think of it. For 400 years, that's four centuries, the coffin of Joseph stood there in Egypt testifying to the children of Israel that God would surely visit them and bring them out of the land of slavery, out of the house of bondage. Thus Joseph's coffin spoke to the children of Israel not so much of death 
as it did of hope in the future. For 400 years, the coffin of Joseph taught the children of Israel that Egypt was not their home. For 400 years, the coffin of Joseph taught the children of Israel to look forward to the day of God's visitation. For 400 years, the coffin of Joseph taught the children of Israel to look forward to the Exodus. For 400 years, the coffin of Joseph taught the children of Israel to look forward to the inheritance of the promised land. And finally, the day came. Over 400 years later, the day finally came. We read in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Moses took the coffin of Joseph with him out of the land of Egypt on the night of the Passover. And that coffin spoke of God's faithfulness. Moses took the coffin of Joseph with him as they crossed the Red Sea. And that coffin spoke of God's faithfulness. Moses took the coffin of Joseph with him as they made their way to Sinai. And that coffin spoke of God's faithfulness. Moses took the coffin of Joseph with him as they wandered through the wilderness those 40 years. And that coffin spoke of God's faithfulness. When at last Moses himself died, it was Joshua who took the coffin of Joseph into the promised land of inheritance. In fact, the book of Joshua ends with a record of the burial of Joseph's bones in the promised land. Chapter 24 and verse 32. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem, in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. Finally, over 400 years after his death, the bones of Joseph were buried in the promised land. Do you understand the point of Joseph's coffin? Calvin said it was a seal of redemption. God kept his promise. God visited his people. God brought his people out of bondage. God brought his people home. God gave them their inheritance. Through all that history, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand. Through the 400 years of bondage and slavery, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand. Through the night of the Passover, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand. Through the crossing of the Red Sea, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand. Through the giving of the law, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand. Through the rebellion and subsequent years of wandering in the wilderness, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand.
Through the conquest of the promised land, the coffin of Joseph pointed forward to the inheritance as God led his people by his hand. And so the book of Genesis ends. It ends incomplete. It ends with the children of Israel in Egypt. It ends with the promise unfulfilled. It ends with the oath unfulfilled. It ends with a coffin in Egypt. It ends looking forward. It establishes the pattern of all scripture. For where does the Pentateuch end? But looking forward, the land is yet to be inherited. Where does Joshua end? But looking forward, the rest of the land has yet to be inherited. Where does the book of Judges end? But looking forward, there's no king in Israel. Where does Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles end? But looking forward, the great king is yet to come. Where do the prophets end? But looking forward, looking forward to the day of God's visitation. And when at last God visits us through his son, Jesus Christ, we are told that the day of consummation is yet to come. Where do the gospels end? But looking forward, Jesus is coming again. Where does the book of Acts end? But looking forward, the gospel must go forth to the ends of the earth, and only then will Jesus return. Where do the letters of the New Testament end? But looking forward, Jesus is coming again. Where does Revelation, the great history of the church, end? But looking forward, come, Lord Jesus, yea, come quickly. In the history of redemption, this is the great hope of God's people. We long for and anticipate the day of God's visitation. In fact, that hope is at the very center of our text. Did you notice that? Verse 22 matches up with verse 26. Both verses speak of Joseph. Both verses mention the fact that he lived for 110 years. Verse 23 matches up with verse 25. Both of them speak of Joseph's descendants. That brings us to the center of the text, verse 24, where we read of God's visitation. Throughout the history of redemption, that has always been the hope of God's people, this longing for the day of his visitation. My friend, is that your longing? Do you long for the day of Christ's return? As you grow older, as you experience the joys and sorrows of life, do you see God's faithfulness and long for the day of his coming? As you raise your children, do you bring them up on your knees, teaching them that this world is not their home? As you consider your place in this world, young people, do you long for the world to come? Boys and girls, you have yet to experience the joys and trials of life, but already now, at an early age, do you long to be with Jesus and to see him? So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him.